Hello and welcome to this week's Thursday Top 5. I'm Paige. I'm Anna. We're so excited to share this week's news with you. But before we get started, we have a few new updates to share. First, we have an update from a story that we discussed last week as reported by the Evening Standard, quote, Designer claims he created Isle of Wight monolith in tribute to other mystery structures around the world. So you might remember that on last week's Thursday Top 5 episode, we discussed the mysterious monolith that appeared in Utah, and after the news broke, copycat structures were discovered in other countries, including Spain, Germany, and Colombia. Yes, so Tom Dunford, who is 29 years old and from Feshbourne, told the BBC that he created the structure purely for fun. The National Trust actually said that it had to place rangers at the beach to prevent any overcrowding as people have been traveling to the site to take photographs, which I think has become a theme among all these monoliths. It's actually crazy how many people like are rushing to see the monoliths before they potentially disappear. But I also think it's very interesting that there are now talks on whether these sculptures or structures are art or not. Some art historians have come out to say they're not and that they should not be considered as such. So it's just interesting to see how this story has developed. Very interesting. Maybe one will pop up near us. Hopefully. <laughs> Next, we have some sad news. As reported by Arnett News, quote, after six years, Red Bull Arts is shutting down its New York venue known for hip, multidisciplinary shows. I was honestly really surprised to hear that it had been around for six years yeah. as Anna and I only recently discovered this space mm-hmm. and that the solo show by artist and creative director Akeem Smith, which closed on November 15th, will go down as the venue's last because it was the first one we saw it's the first and last we saw so I think we got really lucky and I'm so glad we went to see it and see the space before it closes a representative from Red Bull announced that they are closing the space to focus on community impact at a more grassroots level and that they remain that they remain committed to supporting local artists and partners I also want to note that the location in Detroit is Mm -hmm. going to remain open and that the Akeen Smith show is planned to open there sometime next year so if we have any listeners in Detroit definitely Definitely check it out. Yes, it was very, very cool. So we highly recommend. Yeah, we loved it. Yes. Now moving on to this week's top five headlines coming to us from the LA Times, quote, artist sues museum and city of LA after his work is accidentally thrown away. Artist David Liu, who goes by the name Sharktooth, has sued the Chinese American Museum and the city of Los Angeles, among other defendants, for throwing his work in the trash after displaying it. The work in question was a site-specific installation, which has a Chinese name that translates to Year of the Shark Red Packet. The work was located in the museum's courtyard and was featured in the 2018 exhibition titled Don't Believe the Hype, LA Asian Americans and Hip Hop, which was on view at the Chinese American Museum from May to December. The work is made of 88 empty canvas sacks adorned with hand-applied gold leaf paint and was suspended on burlap twine with wooden clothespin. The number eight symbolizes prosperity and good fortune in Chinese culture, and the work was meant to evoke the history of Chinese immigrants in the laundry business. Yes, and the work was also also meant to weather the elements, the natural elements, and the fraying and cracking was part of the work, which also meant to invoke ideas of longevity and individual character development. So around December 7th, according to the lawsuit, which was only days before the exhibition was about to end, a city maintenance crew took down the canvas bags and threw them out. There was apparently no management there to supervise, and the maintenance crew just assumed that these bags, which had been really beaten down from being up 
already for months yeah were trash yeah so several of the bags had been promised to lose collectors after the show and others were to be sold at the museum for 88 dollars each and the museum has come out to say that because the bags were available for sale they are considered merchandise and not really a work of art which suggests that it is courtyard decor rather than an official art exhibit and thus you're not tied to a consignment agreement what is so interesting about this and kind of to put it all into context yes. is that under the Visual Arts Right Act, better known as the VARA, the court allows for damages ranging from $750 to $30,000 per item unless the court finds that the defendant's action was intentional. Then damages can go up to $150,000 per item. I think everyone assumes it's an accident. Yeah, so I think this is very, very interesting and we discussed it a little before because I think we both think <laughs> <laughs> that this was an accident. So right. if that's the case, then the most he would receive for these damages is up to $30,000 per item, which is a lot because there are a lot of bags. But I think he's arguing that it was intentional, in which case he would receive up to $150,000 per item. And not so much even that it was intentional, but he's trying to draw attention to perceptions about what can be constituted as art. Right. And he's raising much larger questions as a result of this action. Yeah. And I think he also is bringing into the the idea of race and how Asian art is perceived as less in Western art, which is something that's important to him. But I also think the whole thing is super interesting because where does the fact that these were being sold for $88 stand at? Like, was $88 not the, the actual value of it? If he might get up to $30,000 or $150,000 for them now, it's very confusing. It's very confusing. And then also, where do the collectors end up in this lawsuit? Yes, exactly. The ones who purchased the bag and they were have been assuming. promised to them. Exactly. Yes. I also think that as a collector, it's so interesting to collect this because if they were really so worn, like how do you put that in your house? The article even noted that some of them had fallen exactly. off of the clothes, but I'm sure just as a result of like wind. Yes, but it's crazy because then how do you hang that up in your house? Right. Like, like, is it really even like does it is it even strong enough to be hung? <laughs> no clue. Crazy article. <laughs> really interesting all around. We'll yes. definitely follow up. Hopefully, our second headline is a more positive artist story. CNN reports reported that, quote, a New York artist spent $65,000 buying art to support fellow artists struggling because of the pandemic. Painter Guy Stanley Feloche, a New Yorker known for his colorful, textured, abstract artworks, has spent more than $65,000 buying work from struggling artists affected by the coronavirus pandemic. So far, the artist has purchased more than 150 artworks for up to $500 each. Yeah, so the idea for this initiative came about after a friend of Feloche, who had just had a baby and had lost his job because of the pandemic, shared his financial worries. And besides Besides sharing some encouraging words, Feloche actually purchased one of his friend's paintings. And after seeing how touched his friend was by this very supportive gesture, Feloche realized that his friend was like, if his friend was panicking like this, other artists had to be in similar positions, both financially and emotionally. So after seeing this reaction on March 20th, he posted a video to Instagram asking artists who were feeling the effects of the pandemic to direct message him their work. Whenever he saw a piece that he really fell in love with, Feloche bought it and paid for it to be shipped to his East Harlem studio. I think it's really interesting that he waited to see what the work looked like before just blindly purchasing them. Yeah, I think that's fair though because it is he is intentionally building his own collection while supporting other artists, but he's not just buying to buy. I agree and I think it's really flattering then to the artists who he did purchase. Yes. 
He received images from across the globe, even some artists who were in prison, all reaching out with their stories and images of their work. For some, it was actually the first work of art they ever sold. Which is so crazy and like so cool. But this is not the first example of the artist supporting other emerging artists because he has a philosophy which he titles sell a painting, buy a painting. And every time he opens a new show or sells a work, he searches for a fellow artist and buys a piece for his own collection, which I think just circles back to the idea that he very intentionally picks the works he buys. And additionally, the artist has been known to leave some of his own works, which typically go for around $100,000 on a street corner for anyone to find. I mean, what a lucky find. Yes. And I think it is a great concept. This guy must have such good karma. Right. But yeah, I also think that it is so great that he buys directly from artists themselves, ensuring that they are getting the money and they can use it for whatever they need the most right now. Very encouraging. Yes. Our third story comes to us courtesy of the art newspaper, where it was reported that, quote, Christie's and Sotheby's ordered to disclose dealings with the late sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Christie's and Sotheby's were last week ordered by prosecutors as a part of the civil suit against Jeffrey Epstein in the U.S. Virgin Islands to disclose all correspondence and dealings with Epstein going back more than 20 years. The Attorney General of the U.S. Virgin Islands alleges Epstein misled government officials to secure lucrative tax breaks from his businesses while engaging in sex trafficking and the abuse of underage girls. More than 70 women are reportedly now in line to receive money from his state, which is worth an estimated $600 million at the time of his death, which, as most people know, was ruled a suicide. And then what's interesting is that a third firm, the Chicago Deferred Exchange Company, Mm -hmm. was also ordered to disclose the same information as Sotheby's and Christie's. They are accused of improperly calculating the sales tax on paintings by Cezanne and Picasso using trading credits for other works of art exchanged as part of the deals. Yes, that is crazy. But further adding to this messy, messy situation is the fact that one of the Sassans in question was sold to Narrows Holdings, a company that Leon Black, the chairman of the Museum of Modern Art here in New York, the MoMA, um, has used to purchase much of his billion-dollar art collection. And the other Cezanne work sold to AP Narrows, which is also connected to Black. Although Black is not suspected of any wrongdoing in this situation, I think it really shows how deeply integrated Epstein was in the art world, as well as showing how unregulated so many like art market dealings are. Yes, I think this has been a very common theme in our um, podcast lately with the body Chelly that went missing and like yes. someone's father had it and then like she claimed it was not bought by her and all that stuff tune into that episode if you're curious mm-hmm. um but I think yeah it just goes on to show how hard it is to, sometimes to find provenance for these great great artists because of these very wishy-washy sales right so much goes on and so mm-hmm. little is actually properly recorded exactly so it will be interesting to see what comes out of that oh, yes and it is very important because it should be proper properly valued so that the victims of Epstein can get the compensation they deserve and the maximum amount exactly Our fourth story of the day comes to us from Hyperallergic. The headline reads, quote, everyone here hates you. Artists send Marfa Taurus a message. The night before Thanksgiving, an electric sign that reads, quote, everyone here hates you, appeared in the window of a crumbling adobe structure in Marfa. The sign addresses the Taurus who have traveled to the remote Texas town despite the COVID-19 pandemic. The neon sign was made by local artists Chris Ramming and Rob Brill, and it is accompanied by a second piece in the form of a poster which reads this town chooses your dollars over the safety of the people who live here tourism is a big 
issue in Marfa right now because West Texas, where the town is located, is actually the state's COVID-19 hotspot. Yes, and even more concerning is the fact that if someone in town falls seriously ill, they would need to travel 190 miles to Midland or El Paso to get proper treatment. But the issue is even worse than that because ICU beds in these towns are nearly full. So even after traveling that much, you might not be able to enter a hospital. I think so often, even living in New York, we forget how in these small towns, mm-hmm. they don't have immediate access. Exactly. Like we do to these ICU beds. Yes. So the article brings up the fact that Ramin, one of the artists in charge of these signs, closed down his business, Casita Bar, in March and hasn't reopened because he cares about the safety of his neighbors. Yes, and honestly, even some of the bigger and most popular attractions like the Chianti Foundation, which houses Donald Judd's works, is closed for the remainder of the year. So I totally understand why Ramin and Brill are so frustrated with the situation. Yes, it is sad to see some people profiting off of the tourism while other people are being so responsible and doing what is best for the community it really is a group effort during the pandemic and if not all the businesses are going by the same rules exactly no it just is unfair exactly Yes. And not going to lie, a couple of months ago, Paige and I thought that maybe we should visit Marfa because tickets from New York were actually super cheap and it is kind of hard to get to, but somehow like there were like direct flights almost or just with one connection. So we were like, oh, this is perfect. It's an outdoor place. There's so much space there. There are not going to be crowds. We should definitely do it. But we decided not to because Texas in general has just been doing poorly throughout the pandemic and a lot of people were not adhering to the um, COVID-19 like safety measures like wearing masks and all those things, which is something that the article also brings up. I completely agree. I think we both love Donald Judd and I've always wanted to go to Marfa and mm-hmm. now we have so much more time and we're yeah. so much more flexible right now that it did seem like a good idea. And the article notes that the press has created this like sense false of security that it's fine to visit Marfa. You yes. see these photos of large empty fields mm-hmm. with like works of art is out in the open and you think like nothing could be safer than that exactly. but it's really not true because you're forgetting about all the it people is very misleading yes. yes but hopefully ramming and brill's art will lead to a cultural shift or at least shed light on the big issue i think it's definitely bringing some awareness yes. to what's happening right now in marfa i agree Our fifth story of the day comes to us from the art newspaper, where it was reported that, quote, new online platform puts London's emerging art scene on the map, literally. Credit X, a new art and technology initiative, has created a digital map and database of less established art spaces and galleries in London in the hopes of balancing out an art world shaped by market forces. The new platform shines a light on artist-led spaces, young commercial galleries, and other venues supporting emerging artists in the capital. This is such a great example of how technology can be so beneficial in the art world, which does Mm -hmm. tend to be more antiquated, and how the intersection of these two disciplines can really create like a tangible change. Yes, and something that is super cool about the initiative is that students from Central St. Martins and the Kingston School of Art came up with this, which I think just shows that our generation is very aware that many important changes are needed in the art world. I also love that it was like younger people who came up with this because Mm -hmm. they are the ones I think who the technology is geared towards. Exactly. I agree. So the map on Credit X's website is split into 
two sections, galleries and then media and platforms. And right now there are only a few of each listed, but they are hoping to grow quickly and to add more to the list. Hopefully. And it is also really great because they don't charge listed organizations a fee. So if a small gallery is listed and that gallery might already be struggling financially, it does not need to worry about spending extra money to be listed on this very cool new platform. I really love this idea and something that we talk about a lot when we think about what we want to do with Curated Chatter Mm -hmm. is to bring awareness to all the art world things that are going on in New York that are free and accessible and exist, but people just don't know about. Exactly. So hopefully something similar to this will come to New York. Yes. And we are super excited to see where the initiative goes, if it succeeds, hopefully. (laughs) Yes. So these were our top stories for the day. But before we go, we want to share some emerging news, which we are very excited about. Mm -hmm. The art newspaper reported that, quote, Dia Chelsea plans to reopen in April after connecting three buildings in a $20 million project. Yeah, so Dia was closed for two years because of the expansion, although a lot of people seem to believe it was because of the pandemic, but that's false information. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the new space is 32,500 square feet, and it includes 20,000 square feet of exhibition space and public programming space as well as a return of a bookstore which had previously been removed very exciting something that is shocking about this is that admission will be free Mm -hmm. and the inaugural exhibition features two newly commissioned installations by the artist lucy raven i think it's always really cool to see something that was made for the space and is brand new i agree And it is very special to us this week because we just visited Dia Beacon and we can't wait to talk about it next Monday on our Monday Chatter check-in. So definitely tune in for that. Yeah, I'm really excited to share our thoughts. Mm -hmm. So I think that's it for today. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. 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 